DHS says this new terrorism advisory is not based on any actual threats or plots, but it says there's a rise in anti-government rhetoric. Some of it is opposition to COVID public health rules like mask and vaccine measures. Some calls for violent action are based on claims of election fraud or a belief that Donald Trump can be reinstated. And DHS says the coming 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and religious holidays later this year could be catalysts for violence. Well, DHS says that election fraud. That's odd. You can run the best campaign. Election fraud. The nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. If you talk about the election being stolen. Russia was your domestic behind, terrorist was not only interfering but was trying to deliver this election to Donald Trump. You have this very real skepticism, but how legitimate was this election? And it wasn't simply. I mean, Russia, now, uh, uh, got 2016, you could hacking the election, but did so throw to, this shit around all over Trump. the place. I think this is a constitutional crisis. I mean, is was the president legitimately elected? And you can have the election stolen from you. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show of the Rained Out Randcast. I'm your host, Chris. I've been away a while. Uh, I apologize. Been taking a little, what they call vacation. Was hitting this show pretty hard. Um, and now, like, everything's coming true that I've been talking about. <sighs> Should have had this show, like, four years ago. Because then, uh, yeah. The COVID shit was pretty easily predictable. I think it was my... Went on the record claiming vaccine... My third uh, episode was COVID bounty hunters, which I missed the mark on that because it's going to be... I mean, it is COVID bounty hunters, but it's going to be... They're going to be bounty hunting unvaxxed. They're going to get paid for this shit. Check this out. I, I put out a tweet... Um. Shit, it'd have to be two, went to Oklahoma City, I think, two weeks ago. So it'd have to be like two weeks ago I put this uh, tweet out that I guess got some traction, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, it's about the, what is the official word? It's the shielding approach. It's a uh, interim operational considerations for implementation the shield implementing the shielding approach to prevent COVID nineteen infection in humanitarian settings. I posted that. It got quite a few retweets. Um, and I guess Candace Owen did a piece on this. Now this document from CDC.gov is from July twenty sixth of twenty twenty. I guess Candace Owen did, did a piece on it. But <clears throat> yesterday, I'm seeing now fact checks on the CDC proposed putting high-risk people in camps during the p- pandemic. This is CNN politics. Facts first. Fact check. Candace Owens falsely claims CDC pr- proposed putting high-risk people in camps during the pandemic. Right-wing media figures have revealed, 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 in ridiculing, (laughs) reveled, revealed, reveled, Jesus, fuck, in ridiculing the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's response to the pandemic. Whether overchanging guidance, confusing, confusing statements, or seeming contradictions. Some of these attacks, however, are based on pure fantasy. Candace Owens, who hosts a show with the right-wing media company, The Daily Wire. You never see them say left-wing with the left-wing, with, with the left-wing media company, CNN. You never see that. Uh, told her 2.8 million followers on Twitter that the CDC wrote a paper on putting certain people in camps during the pandemic. Quote, the CDC actually put together a document to discuss putting high-risk people into camps to shield low-risk people from them, Owens wrote, with a link to the supposed document on the CDC website. No, this is not a joke. And yes, every single person who has made a reference to the 1930s Germany is vindicated. Unquote. CNN goes on with facts first. This is utter nonsense. The CDC guidance with a link 
from July of last year addresses humanitarian settings such as refugee camps and how to help protect high-risk individuals from COVID-19 in those camps. So they're only talking about <clears throat> the the border camps. That I mean, people are already in camps on the border, though. Anyways, quote, this document presents considerations from the perspective of the CDC, unquote. The introduction reads, for implementing the shielding approach, approach in humanitarian settings as an outline and guidance documents focused on camps, displaced populations, and low-resource settings. It doesn't, even in their own quote, even in CNN's own quote, which is just literally the first three sentences copy-pasted right, in, right onto their article, it says, it doesn't say, uh, refugee camps displace populations in low-resource settings. It says camps displace, displace populations in low-resource settings. Is displaced populations refugees? Well, fuck, if there's a hurricane and people have to get the fuck out of there, they need refugee, refuge, right? It's all about their wording and their bullshit. But right in the right in CNN's own facts first. Facts first. COVID nineteen Right in their own facts first. They um It says camps, not refugee camps. No, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm ready. One of the considerations proposed by the CDC is limiting the interaction of people who might be more negatively affected by the virus, like older people, with others. Right? You limit the interaction of old people with other people, which is kind of what has happened, and then they die in New York. Shout out to Kumo. Uh, The CDC notes that other considerations, like how separating families might harm mental health should be considered before implementing such a strategy. The article goes on to say, Owen's mischaracterization of the document and comparing by implication the CDC to the Nazi party is complete cookiness. The end. Okay, here's what's fucking crazy. is I'm pretty sure in the article they can just put whatever the fuck they want because nobody's going to click on it. The only thing they see is fact check. Candace Owens falsely, falsely, because it's facts first, claims CDC proposed putting high-risk people in camps during the pandemic. Written by Holmes Lebrand of CNN. I like how they said kookiness. Kookiness. So anyways, I clicked on their link to the CDC guidance. And it gave me the interim operational considerations for implementing the shielding approach to prevent COVID-19 infections in humanitarian settings. We'll go over this document. Because this document pertains to, to what is coming. I mean, the mandates. Look, I haven't been on in weeks, months, maybe a month. I haven't put out a show. I've been on Stereo.com doing shows over there. I mean, you can catch it. If if you go download the app, it should notify you when I go live. Usually Wednesday nights. Um, I'm going to get back over here to do these shows because... I mean, since I did the Tom Brady episode, Tom Brady visited the White House, a lot of things have happened. Um, so anyways, in this document, uh, it says this document presents considerations from the perspective of, we've already read that part, CNN copy pasted it right into there where it says, uh, the shielding approach in humanitarian settings that's outlined in guidance documents focused on camps, displaced populations, low resource settings. This approach has never been documented and has raised questions and concerns among humanitarian partners who support response activities in these settings. The purpose of this document is to highlight potential implementation challenges of the shielding approach from CDC's perspective and guide thinking around implementation in the absence of empirical data. 
kind of like the vaccine. There was no empirical data for the vaccine, but they implemented it and started fucking stabby and jabbing motherfuckers. Uh, considerations are based on current evidence known about the transmission and severity of coronavirus disease 2019 and may need to be revised as more information becomes available. Please check the CDC's website periodically for updates because we're the most legitimate source. Yeah. What is the shielding approach? The shielding approach aims to reduce the number of severe COVID-19 cases by limiting contact between individuals at higher risk of developing severe disease. They have it in parentheses, or in uh, italics, high risk. Okay. So we got to, okay. And the general population, again, italics, low risk. High-risk individuals will be temporarily relocated to safe or quote-unquote green zones established at the house, neighborhood, camp, sector, or community level depending on the context of settings. They would have minimal contact with family members and other low-risk residents. Okay, so far I've read the first two paragraphs of this, right? Now, on the CNN, right, the CNN... Uh, fact check. It says, facts first. This is utter nonsense. The CDC guidance from July of last year addresses humanitarian settings such as refugee camps and how to help protect high-risk individuals from COVID-19 in those camps. Here's what's crazy. Here's what's fucking crazy. What's crazy is there is, so far in the first two paragraphs, nothing, nothing about refugee camps. Absolutely nothing about refugee camps is said in the first two paragraphs so far. But CNN said so. CNN says that Candace Owens lied about them discussing putting people in camps because their claim is it addresses humanitarian humanitarian settings such as refugee camps but so far nothing about refugee camps have been has been said let's continue Current evidence indicates that older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. In most humanitarian settings, older population groups make up so far, even when they say in most humanitarian settings, nothing's been said about refugees. Um, <clears throat> older population groups make up a small percentage of the total population. For this reason, the shielding approach suggests physically separating high-risk individuals from the general population to prioritize the use of limited available resources and avoid implementing long-term containment measures among the general population. In theory, shielding may serve its objective to protect high-risk populations from disease and death. However, implementation of the approach necessitates strict adherence to protocol. Inadvertent introduction of the virus into a green zone may result result in rapid transmission among the most vulnerable populations the approach is trying to protect. So it goes on and it has a table. Summary of the shielding approach. Level, household level. That's HH level. A specific room area designated for high-risk individuals who are physically isolated from other HH members. That's the level column. And then they have movement interactions column. So for household, low-risk HH members should not enter the green zone. If entry is necessary, it should be done only by... It's very confusing, too, because the green zone is not for people without COVID and people not sick. The green zone is for sick people. I would label that the red zone. I mean, if you were running into a place, right, and they had like a, they had a map. Let's say they you they made like a a, a six flags into a, a quote unquote not refugee camp, right? But a camp nonetheless. 
and then you like run up and it has the map thing like oh my god how do we save these people out of this place and they're like or you know how do we get out of here without getting this disease and they're like oh the green zone that's got to be the good place you know and then they run in there and then boom they're all fucking COVID-19 they're all coroned all of them it's fucking crazy so anyways if entry is necessary it should be done only by healthy individuals after washing hands and using face covering interaction should be at a safe distance minimum movement of high-risk individuals outside the green zone so old people are not allowed outside of the green zone low-risk hh members continue to follow social distancing and hygiene practices outside the house it goes neighborhood level this is level two a designated shelter group of shelters max five to ten households within a small camp or area where high-risk members are grouped together. Neighbors swap households to accommodate high-risk individuals. When I read that, the only thing I can think of is, <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen the show The Walking Dead, and where they're like in this suburban... Spoiler alert, at some point they get to uh, where they're like living inside this suburb. I haven't watched this fucking shit for like three episodes, three seasons now. Uh, but they're inside this... Uh, suburban area. It's it's walled up, you know, and like it just feels like that's what it is. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, as far as movement, it's the same as uh the low risk household. It's the same as the household. Level three is a camp sector level. A group of shelters such as schools, community buildings within a camp sector. Now. This right here shows the definition of what the camp is. When they put a group of shelters such as schools, community buildings within a camp. Refugee camps don't have schools and community buildings. Neighborhoods, cities, towns, they have schools, community buildings. And if you surround that with razor wire, it becomes a camp. Of non-refugees because it's their fucking house. So, so far, we've went, you know, explained what this is. We, we're now through the table of levels of uh, the shielding approach. Not once has anything about refugees been mentioned. Nothing. For real, I don't know. Um. So... Again, a group of shelters such as schools, community buildings within a camp sector, max 50 high-risk individuals per single green zone. So you can smash 50 of those old people, boom, right into a basement or something. Boom, 50. Where high-risk individuals are physically isolated together. So you can only have 50 crammed into a basement, per basement. Well, I mean hot air rises and you'd think like the corona is floating through the hot hot air particles released in their breath so it would actually rise maybe maybe we should put the 50 individuals in the attic yeah okay now on the movement side on this in this in this t- table on the camp sector level one maybe it's going to say refugees here one entry point is used for exchange of food supplies etc a meeting area is used for residents and visitors to interact while practicing physical distancing. No movement into or outside the green zone. <laughs> Didn't say anything. Didn't say a word about refugee camps. Not once. So, let's move on. Operational considerations. The shielding approach requires several prerequisites for effective implementation. Several are addressed, including access to health care and provision of food. However, there are several prerequisites which require additional considerations. Table 2 presents the prerequisite or suggestions as stated in the shielding guidance document, column 1. And CDC presents additional questions and considerations alongside these prerequisites 
column two. Table two suggests pre <laughs> How many times are they going to fucking write this? Suggest prerequisites per the shielding documents and CDC's operational considerations for implementation. Suggested pre prerequisites as stated in the shielding document. Each green zone has a dedicated latrine bathing facility for high risk individuals. Considerations as suggested by CDC, the shielding approach advised against any new facility construction to establish green zones. However, few settings will have existing shelters or communal, communal facilities with designated latrines, bathing facilities to accommodate high-risk individuals. In those settings, most latrines used by the HH are located outside the home and often shared by multiple HHs. Remember, HH is the household level. If dedicated facilities are available, ensure safety measures, measures such as proper lighting, hand-washing, hygiene, infrastructure, maintenance, and disinfection of latrines. Ensure facilities can accommodate high-risk individuals with disabilities, children, and separate genders at the neighborhood camp level. There they go with that word camp again. No refugees. <laughs> Not once mentioned. To minimize external contact, each green zone should include able-bodied, high-risk individuals capable of caring for residents and who have disabilities are less mobile. What this seems like is they're going to make every neighborhood like a like a like a <laughs> it's like the Davidians, but the Covidians. It's going to make it a Covidian compound, right? They're going to be preaching church and shit COVID-19. like that all over the place. So, <laughs> anyways, people have to be you know able to care for these people. Don't worry, we'll give you a medical mask and stuff. Otherwise, designate low-risk individuals for these tasks. So they want high-risk old people who are essentially fucking dying, right, uh, from the the vid, or could die from the vid, thanks to the unvaccinated. This is fucking crazy. This is crazy that this is even on CDC.gov. When we're talking about, like, it's been a year and a half, and, I mean, my wife went to Florida two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I think, and we should be getting COVID now. I mean, she got an she got a titers test, came back with nothing, so we've been to, like, the second largest zoo in America. We've been to multiple states. A couple weeks ago, I went to uh, a comedy show, the Tinfoil Hat Comedy Show in Oklahoma City. And if there's anywhere to get COVID, it's a dark, small, packed fucking comedy club with one exit and one entrance. That is the place. What's wild about that is I went by myself, so they, it's a comedy club, so it's tables, and uh, so you just get put with people, you know, maybe a party of three, people you don't know, so I get sat with two dudes and uh, this other guy, three dudes, two knew each other, one was just like me, right? The one just like me kept going. (coughs) 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 Right? I mean, he's facing me. He's facing right at me. (coughs) (coughs) Right? So I thought, I thought, you know, he just smoked a blunt outside or something. You know, he just smoked a blunt outside. So he's got that cough going. Because we know how this is. One of the comedians made a, a joke how uh, now a cough is like saying the N-word. Which, it, it, it I mean, I don't know how many times I take a fucking big rip off of vape before I go into a place. And you know how vapes can be. And it gives me a little tickle. And then it's like, I don't want to sit here like, <coughs> really coughing that tickle out. Because then people run, they hit, they probably hit like, Alarm buttons, you know, so that way the CDC can come and put you in a green zone 
or wait, a red zone. No, high risk is green zone. High risk is green zone. Red zone is good. Green is bad. Red is okay. Um, but yeah, if there's anywhere to catch the Delta Lambda Lambda Delta variant, <laughs> um, would be, you know, <laughs> at a comedy club or Florida. For a matter of fact. Or Florida. So anyways, this may be difficult to sustain, especially if the caregivers are also high risk because they're going to be dying, right? Uh, As caregivers may often, will be family members, ensure that this strategy is socially and culturally acceptable. Currently, we do not know if prior infection confers immunity. But, see, here's the thing. Up at the top, it said... Pay attention, because we will update. Um, And, well, now you can update and say, currently we do know that prior infection uh, confers immunity and better immunity than your stupid vaccine. Um, You can keep covering that up all you want, but, I mean, this is... (sighs) This is the truth. This is the truth. That natural immunity is better than the shit. And they do not want you to know that because they already have. They already have. They already have all... Um, what am I trying to say? They already have multiple variants ready. They have the Lambda that the shit I don't even know the names of them right now because they're Greek and they're the alphabet as words they're words for the alphabet because that's how that works so anyways the green zone and living areas for high risk residents should be aligned with minimum humanitarian sphere standards that's an acronym um, for Sphere. The Sphere Handbook. Humanitarian Charter and Minimum Standards in Humanitarian Response 2018. Exit notification disclaimer. Links of this. Yeah, continue. Take me where I need to go. The Sphere Handbook. Now, is this something that we haven't... (laughs) Acknowledgements, what a sphere, the humanitarian charter, protection, principles, core humanitarian. The Spear Handbook is marking its 20th anniversary with the publication of this fourth edition. It is the result of an intense year-long mobilization of humanitarian actors around the globe and reflects two decades of experience. Okay, this shit is coming from the government. Okay? This is coming... From the government, Spear holds a unique place in the sector and in the constantly evolving humanitarian landscape. This edition was clearly informed by the international commitments made at the First World Humanitarian Summit in 2016, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and Other Global Initiatives. (laughs) Crazy. I don't know what the <clears throat> ac- acronym for, I don't know what, I mean, it's sphere, S-P-H-E-R-E. There doesn't seem, seem to be an acronym, like what, what, what the fuck are the letters for? I mean, so anyways, um, the shielding approach requires strict adherence to infection prevention and control measures. Uh, they require uninterrupted availability of soap, water, hygiene, cleaning supplies, masks, cloth, face coverings, etc. For all individuals in green zones, thus, it is necessary to ensure. <clears throat> thus, it is necessary to ensure minimum public health standards are maintained and possibly supplemented. What a fucking drama queen! <laughs> 
monitor and evaluate the implementation of the shielding approach. Monitoring protocols will need to be developed for each type of green zone. Dedicated staff need to be identified to monitor each green zone. Monitoring includes both adherence to protocols. Potential adverse effects are outcomes due to isolation or stigma. Men and women and individuals with TB, severe immunodeficiencies, or dementia should be isolated separately. Multiple green zones would be needed to achieve this level of separation, each requiring additional inputs, resources, further considerations. You know where you have the green zone at? At the neighborhood Walmart that they closed down after they built it. It's almost like they needed a building in every fucking little town in the South. Community acceptance and involvement. Uh, And if they didn't get a Walmart neighborhood market, they have a Dollar General now. So they have plenty of space. Even with community involvement, there may be a risk of stigmatization, isolation, separation from family members, loss loss of freedom, and personal interactions may require additional psychosocial support, a.k.a. indoctrination. High-risk minors should be accompanied into isolation by a single caregiver who will also be considered a green zone resident in terms of movement and contact with those outside the green zone. Green zone shelters should always be kept clean. No shit. High-risk individuals are very responsible for cleaning and maintaining their own living space and facilities. They may not be feasible for... I mean, think about this, man. They'll be responsible for cleaning up their cell block. This is bullshit. They got robots to do this shit. These are high-risk old people, man. They don't need to be cleaning up their cell block like that. Green zones should be more spacious in terms of shelter area per capita than the surrounding camp sector. Even at the cost of greater crowding of low-risk people. Okay. So high-risk people need a bigger area so the low-risk people... Okay. Okay. Ensure that targeting high-risk individuals does not negate mitigation measures among low-risk individuals. Physical distancing in markets or water points or feasible, etc. Differences in space based on risk status may increase the potential risk of exposure among the risk, rest of the low-risk residents. It may, may be unacceptable or impracticable. That's a... Okay. Considering space limitations are overcrowding in many settings. Additional considerations. So far, refugee camp has not been mentioned one fucking time. The shielding approach outlines the general logistics of implementation, who, what, where, how. However, there may be additional logistical challenges to implementing these strategies as a result of unavailable commodities. Transport restrictions, limited staff capacity, and available to meet the increased needs. The approach does not address the potential emotional, social, cultural, psychological impact for separated individuals, nor for the household with separated members. Yeah, they haven't done the studies on what it does to you psychologically for your neighborhood to be turned into a fucking open world prison. Population characteristics and demographics. Consideration. The number of green zones required may be greater than anticipated as they are based on the total number of high-risk individuals, disease categories, and the social demographics of the area, and not just the proportion of elderly populations. Population characteristics. Explanation. Older adults represent a small percentage of the population in many camps in humanitarian settings. Is humanitarian, is that where they're getting refugee from? Because to me, it's like the camp's made, right? Your neighborhood's turned into a camp. Now it's humanitarian, even though you're not a refugee because you haven't left. You're in your fucking house. They make up 3 to 5%. However, in some humanitarian settings, more than one quarter of the population may fall under high-risk categories based on underlying medical conditions, which may increase person risk for severe COVID illness, such as which include chronic kidney disease, obesity, serious heart conditions, sickle cell disease, and any type two and type two diabetes, not type one diabetes, type two, because usually with type two you're fat. 
I'm just I'm just saying. Chill out. Dick I'm just saying. Uh, for example, oh, oh my God, we finally found the word refugee. Additionally, many camps and settlements host multiple nationalities, which may require additional separation. For example, Kakuma Refugee Camp in Kenya accommodates refugees from 19 countries. I'm almost done with this fucking thing, and now now we've seen the word refugee camp because they used a refugee camp, for example, you know, of how to run your neighborhood camp. CNN gets away with this shit. They released their little article, fun fact, it's talking about refugee camps because in one spot, your neighborhood camp is compared to the Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya. Timeline considerations. Here's another reason CNN gets away with saying this isn't Nazism, right? It's because in this document, it doesn't say, and then gas everybody in the camps and fucking throw them in a big old hole. It doesn't say that, right? Plan for an extended duration of implementation time, at least six months. Explanation, the shielding approach pro- proposes that green zones be maintained until one of the following circumstances arises. Sufficient hospitalization capacity is established, which right now in the news, they're saying every hospital is full of people. Nobody can go to the hospital anymore. Like, there's so many people at all these hospitals, they're at capacity. So we're already in the point of Green zones need to be open. They're bringing back the troops right now. But then they sent the troops back to Afghanistan. They're pulling the troops out, but then they sent 3,000 back. Because there's a Benghazi going on right now. Um, explanation. The shielding approach proposes that green zones be maintained until one of the following circumstances arises. Sufficient hospitalization capacity established effective vaccine or therapeutic options become widely available. The COVID-19 epidemic affecting the population subsides. Well, now it's surging, as they say. It's surging. Surging in children. A couple weeks ago, they had articles saying that um, there was a surge in RSV. A surge in RSV. Uh, and then that went away and Delta took over. Um and now they're starting to report that um, healthcare workers on the front line say there is another frightening prospect looming. A surge in children diagnosed with a combination of COVID-19 and respiratory sensitile virus, RSV. Sensitile virus. For one, they can't differentiate between COVID-19 and a respiratory fucking and RSV. You understand? They cannot di- di- differentiate between the two. Hence, the halt to the PCR test uh, on New Year's Eve this year, this coming year, this coming New Year's Eve. They're no longer going to use the PCR test because they can't differentiate between the influenza and the COVID. Like we've been saying this whole fucking time. This whole fucking time we've been saying this. I'm kind of retarded. Given the limited resources and healthcare available to population in humanitarian settings prior to the pandemic, is unlikely sufficient hospitalization capacity. Beds, personal protective equipment, ventilators, and staff will be achievable during widespread transmission, especially when you're firing all the doctors for refusing to get a vaccine. The national capacity in many of the countries where these settings are located... <clears throat> Chad, Myanmar, Syria is limited. Resources may become quickly overwhelmed during the peak of transmission and may not be accessible to the emergency affected populations. Okay, is this where the national capacity in many of these countries where these settings are located? 
Okay, so this where they're talking. So <clears throat> humanitarian settings means refugee camp. Is that what CNN is trying to say to us? Because this is fucking bullshit. This is talking about what they've done with ref- refugee camps and how to implement them in urban and rural rural, rural areas in the United States of America. <clears throat> Vaccine trials are underway with, with no definitive timeline reaching the suppression phase where the epidemic subsides can take several months and cases may resurge in a second or even third wave. Herd immunity, the depletion of susceptible people for COVID-19 has not been demonstrated to date. It is also unclear if an infected person develops immunity and the duration of potential immunity is unknown. Thus, contingency plans to account for possible extended operational timeline are critical. So, to summarize, the shielding approach is an ambitious undertaking which may prove effective in preventing COVID-19 infections among high-risk populations if well-managed. While the premise is based on mitigation strategies used in the United Kingdom, okay, <clears throat> there's no empirical evidence whether this approach will increase, decrease, or have no effect on morbidity or mortality during the COVID-19 epidemic in various humanitarian settings. This document highlights risk and challenges of implementing this approach, need for additional resources in areas with limited or reduced capacity, indefinite timeline, and possible short-term, long-term adverse consequences. Public health not only focuses on the eradication of disease, but addresses the entire spectrum of health and well-being. Populations, dis- populations dis- displaced due to natural disasters or war and conflict are already fragile and have experienced increased mental, physical, and emotional trauma. While the shielding approach is not meant to be coercive, you know, I can say these words until I have to fucking read them. Core. Coercive. <laughs> the shielding approach is not meant to be coercive. It may appear forced or be misunderstood in humanitarian settings, as with many community interventions meant to decrease COVID-19 morbidity and mortality. Compliance of behavior change are the primary rate limiting steps and may be driven by social and emotional factors. These changes are difficult in developed, stable settings. Thus may be particularly challenging in humanitarian settings which bring their own set of multifaceted challenges that need to be taken into account. Household level shielding seems to be the most feasible and dignified as it allows for the least disruption to family structure and lifestyle. See what, that's exactly, <clears throat> humanitarian settings in other fucking countries, in other places, is refugee camps, not houses. This document is how to take what they do in the refugee camp, which is fail. Take a look at the southern border and the camps and the buses coming across. There's buses. They're going across the border with buses, picking these people up and busing them across the border into America. They have video of this. They have fucking proof of this. They have people sleeping on top of each other not in bunk beds, just laying on top of each other in cages right now. In Texas, uh, Arizona, they are talking about taking that concept of the refugee camp and what is done there and expanding it into your fucking neighborhood. In Australia right now, the military is on the ground. They've had like two deaths or two cases. The military is on the ground. There are tents set up outside of everybody's fucking house. That's their fucking green zones. They're flying around in helicopters in Australia. Get in your house. Hey, mate, get the fuck in your house. Before we come down there and beat your ass. Horrible Australian accent. <clears throat> That's what this is. However, it is most susceptible to the introduction of virus due to necessary movement or an interaction outside the green zone. Less oversight and often large household sizes. It may be less feasible in settings where family shelters are small and do not have multiple compartments. 
In humanitarian settings, small village, sector block, or camp level shielding may allow for greater adherence to proposed protocol, but at the expense of longer-term social impacts triggered by separation from friends and families. See, that's what they're saying. It's it's more feasible and dignified to just lock you down in your house and you deal with the green zone in your house. But in the event that they have to create humanitarian settings and build these camps, that is what would allow for more adherence to propose propose protocol is in a humanitarian setting a small village sector block or camp level shielding because then you have guards (laughs) then you have cameras and where does that end we got to save the people right i apple announced that they are are going to be scanning every picture and video on every iphone ipad on every icloud to save the children. It's scanning for child pornography, which is commendable. It needs to end. But here's the fucking problem. Is I have a I have a four year old. She's gonna be four. Or she is four. Jesus Christ, I'm a horrible dad. <laughs> I have a four year old uh who last summer when she was three, um we would go to the creek We would go to the creeks, and, uh, I mean, she's a toddler, so she would just be running around in her uh, swimmer thing. It's a diaper, but for swimming. So catch the poo is what it's for. Uh, So she'd be running around splashing and stuff, and I got some really good pictures of her, like, splashing water. I like to take pictures of water, the detail inside. Anyways. Um, but again, she's just in a diaper, you know, uh, these are innocent (laughs) pictures of the kid, of my kid just fucking playing in the Creek, having a great time, family pictures. So if the AI goes through that and goes, um, how does this work? Do they come arrest me first, smear my name all over the media? And then I got to prove that, uh, we were just hanging out at the Creek. That's my kid. Is that how it's going to work? Where's the line? Um, the shielding approach is intended to alleviate stress on the healthcare system and circumvent, circumvent the negative and economic consequences of long-term containment measures and lockdown by protecting the most vulnerable. Implementation of this approach will involve careful planning, additional resources, strict adherence, and strong multi-sector coordination, requiring agencies to consider the potential repercussions among populations that have collectively experienced physical and psychological trauma, which makes them more vulnerable vulnerable to adverse psychosocial consequences. In addition, thoughtful consideration of the potential benefit versus the social and financial cost of implementation will be needed. So, based off of that, CNN says, this is kooky. They're talking about refugees. No, they're they're fucking talking about refugees in terms of how are we going to implement this on the American people. That's what this is. That's what, I mean, that's, that's what it is. Don't bullshit me. That's exactly what what is going on. So CNN can suck a dick. And they get away with this shit. Anyways, um, so they've mandated um, through companies. I've said this over and over, way before the vaccine was even, like, fucking put out, was... They've got to ban employer mandates. I don't give a shit about the COVID pass. I don't need to go to concerts. I don't need to go to football games. I don't fucking care. Suck my dick. That's 
a secondary issue. The stopping of employer mandates. That should have been the number one fucking issue. Then deal with the Kobe pass. If you couldn't mandate at work, you can't fucking mandate a Kobe pass. Fucking idiots! Idiots! But they knew that. This is by design. I'm kind of retarded. This is by design. I got banned off Twitter for seven days because I called Nora O'Donnell of CBS Evening News a fucking cunt. I called her a cunt. Meanwhile, there was a tweet that was going viral from, like, this happened on, I want to say the 7th of August, that I got banned. This dude's tweet was from, like, mid-July, and it was like, the CDC should implement a get-the-shot-or-get-shot program. And we dig a giant trench, and we line up all the anti-vaxxers in front of the trench, and they either get the shot or they get shot. And that's, that one was fine. But do not call Nora O'Donnell a cunt. Because you will be banned. You will be fucking banned. And for the international order that we have worked for generations to build. Ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. That's kind of scary. I mean, that's uh, Barack Obama talking about people are too fucking stupid to handle their business. You know, they're too fucking dumb to handle their shiznit, you know? And that's why we got to put them in camps. Plain and simple. Hey, here's a clip that has me perplexed. Not really. Listen to how the news handles. This is a lady trying to explain. Um, what is it exactly? It's a vaccine-induced thrombosis. Um, let me see if I can pull up what it is. It's a vaccine-induced thrombosis. I got a lot of tweets here. Vaccine-induced immune thrombotic thrombiotic thrombocytophen nah anyways listen to this and can you tell you've got a blood clot so the, the signs and symptoms of, of this particular type of blood clot so it's a very unique so it's called vaccine induced thrombocytopenia which is a reduction in platelets so lower platelets which means you're more likely to bleed platelets help the clotting thrombosis which is the blood clot but it tends to affect the vein that drains blood from the sorry the, the vein that drains blood from the brain. Yeah. So, uh, so, so sorry, I'm gonna have to, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna have to stop you there. This always happens to us. We've got to go to the weather. Sorry about that. So yeah, I mean, if you listen to what I mean, they. Cut her off. Fucking technology. Can you tell you've got a blood clot? So the the signs and symptoms of of this particular type of blood clot, so it's a very unique, so it's called vaccine-induced thrombocytopenia, which is a reduction in platelets, so lower platelets, which means you're more likely to bleed, platelets help the clotting, thrombosis, which is the blood clot, but it tends to affect the vein that drains blood from the sorry the the vein that drains blood from the brain. Yeah. So, uh, so, so sorry, I'm gonna have to, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna have to stop you there. This always happens to us. We've got to go to the weather. Sorry. That is very. And what's crazy is when it flashed, it went to a commercial. It did not go to the fucking weather. This is very important shit. This is a brand new, uh, basically a brand new disease, vaccine-induced immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia. I I don't say it very well, but. And, I mean, this shit is is insane. The, 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 the stuff that's coming out 
So the key message from our finding is that we found that recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who've had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. Now, these are the sort of gold standard private security uh, antibodies of your immune system, which block the virus from getting into your cells in the first place. So we found that that's less for people with two doses. We've also found that for people with only one dose of the Pfizer jab, that they are less likely to have high levels of these antibodies in their blood. And perhaps most importantly for all of us going forward is that we see that the older you are, the lower your levels are likely to be. And the time since you've had your second jab, as that time goes on, the lower your levels are also likely to be. So that's telling us that we're probably going to be needing to prioritize boosters for older and more vulnerable people coming up soon, especially if this new variant spreads. So the key that message right. from our finding is that we found Fuck that it. recipients Heck of the... Fucking knowledge. God damn. Anyways, what that guy is saying is that the vaccine destroys your fucking natural immunity. That's what that guy is fucking saying. Dr. David uh, Bauer. That's what he's saying. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. That's what they said just two months ago. Remember, there was no breakthroughs. There was no vaccination deaths. And now they are on the rise. I'm going to leave you with this last clip here of uh, Michael Yeadon, former Pfizer chief scientist, who's a loon now. He was their chief scientist for quite a while, and now he's a loon. Again, a 20% difference was not enough to kid these people's immune system that it was a new virus. They easily recognized it as a sibling, a brother, a cousin of something they'd conquered already. So when your government scientists tell you that a variant that's 0.3% different from SARS could masquerade as a new virus and be a threat to your health, you should know, and I'm telling you, they are lying. If they're lying, and they are, why is the pharmaceutical industry making top-up vaccines? They are making them. You should be terrified at this point, as I am, because there's absolutely no possible justification for their manufacture. But they're being made, and the world's medicines regulators have said, because they're quite similar to the original vaccines, the ones that are being given now, uh, we won't be asking them to do any clinical safety studies. So let me just say again, the variants are not different enough to represent a threat to you, so you do not need to top up vaccines, yet they are being made, and the regulators have more or less waved them through. I'm very frightened of that. There's no possible benign interpretation of this. Um, I believe that they're going to be used to damage your health and possibly kill you. Seriously. I, I can see no sensible interpretation other than a serious attempt at mass depopulation. This will provide the tools to do it and plausible deniability because they'll create another story about some sort of biological threat and you'll line up and get your top-up vaccines in a few months or a year or so later you'll die of some you know, peculiar explicable syndrome and they won't be able to associate it with the top-up vaccines but that's my belief that they're lying to you about variants so they can make uh, damaging uh, top-up vaccines that, that you don't need at all and I think they'll be used for malign purposes and if you don't wake up that's what's going to happen I think during next year yeah that's a clip of Michael Yeadon that's a clip from Soundwave Promotions that they put up um, scary times scary times I'm going to leave you with that for now. I'm hoping to have another episode out this week talking more about mandates. And uh, we're behind the eight ball now. Go ahead. Go follow me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com backslash rant. Follow me on stereo at rantcast. Stereo.com rantcast. 
and uh, peace.